Hey guys, how is everyone getting on? Um, welcome to the Elite Coaching Podcast. This is episode 11 and I'm looking forward to, to diving into a little bit of some, some nutritional practices and, and how we can really advance our, our female clients' results. Um, I hope everyone had a, had a great Christmas. This is our, our first podcast of the year 2021. Um, I do apologize for the slight delay in podcast frequency and myself and Dermot are just are, are very very busy at the moment and I'm, I'm trying to give you guys a little bit of an update of kind of what's been going on um, since, since we were on last so obviously with Dermot coming on to the team it's been such a good addition to the team and we've been growing the team at a, at a, at a pretty fast pace and we have you know the launch of the products coming in now we had the launch of the mentorship so there's just been a lot that's been going on but inside the business but you know luckily everything is is moving in a great direction and the mentorship is, is a fantastic opportunity for myself to be a lot more hands-on with with up-and-coming coaches and you know we are going to run you know a couple of, of episodes now moving forward just about you know some more business stuff because I think for a lot of us that, that are coaches you know we love coaching but we do neglect the, the business aspect of, of our businesses you know the growth and development and just overall systems and structures in place so we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that later on but um yeah, I just want to give you guys a bit of an update on what's been going on. Myself and Dermot are keeping very well. I know we've been uh, inactive on the podcast, but we, we have you know a couple of things coming up, a couple of guests lining up um, in the next couple of weeks. Um, but as you all know, January for, for coaches can be pretty hectic. So I hope everyone's keeping well. Um, I hope you're all enjoying home training throughout this, this lockdown and just making the most. You know, I, I put up a post a little while ago just about being either you know, valuable or, or vulnerable throughout this time and you know you guys are, are taking such of an emphasis yourself to educate you know if you look, listen back to the last 10 of our podcasts even that alone puts you in a position to be able to offer some form of help and assistance and I think that's the main thing we need to always overcome is that you know us health and fitness professionals and enthusiasts we're in an incredible opportunity to help people now and this is what I mean about you becoming more valuable you know you offering help offering guidance even if it's your close family and friends just offering some nutritional advice offering a little bit of training advice just even telling them to hit their, their water intake goal hit their step goal for the day everything that we can do we can become a lot more valuable and you know throughout these lockdowns we, we can use the time then to further educate ourselves you know and Again, one of the reasons why we, we haven't been doing the podcast is we've been doing the lives. You know, we've been doing the, the Zooms and we've been running them now for the last six weeks now. And we, we've done we've done them and we're going to have another one now coming up this weekend on, on female physiology. And we've just been giving a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of education and a lot of resources back to people. Because I do feel as a business, it's something that you have to do. You, know, you have to give a little bit back because you guys support us so much. So let's get let's get stuck in i'm going to run you today just kind of some of the, the basic fundamentals of advancing your your current females results so running this all from a nutritional aspect and a lot of what we do although it is nutritional based a lot of it is that psychological coaching as well and to get a client into a very lean position to improve your results with a client you have to be able to coach them psychologically if you cannot coach a client psychologically and do not have an, an availability to be able to apply that inside your coaching business, then that is something that you need to further educate. And hopefully, this is just my insight into what I do. And you can put these practices into play very, very easily. Um, but it does come down with being able to coach those practices, which, which is the, the, the biggest thing of all, is having that opportunity to actually be able to, to coach what you 
what you what you preach and what you give out in a sense because it's so easy to give plans it's so easy to give someone a field plan you know bring someone into a deficit but if we can't coach them throughout that and not only coaching in a sense of keep lower on the field but how do we improve sustainability how do we improve adherence how do we improve mental and emotional stress and stability and that's what we're going to kind of going to run through today in a sense so what we're going to look into first is just kind of take a little bit of a a roadmap throughout this so we're going to be looking into you know what should we look for essentially before even even scheduling in nutrition protocols for a client and um, we're going to then dive into a little bit of that psychological coaching run through the initial coaching setups and then go through both adaptations and kind of how to coach people through the deep end of, of, a, of deep end of, of a coaching journey as we'll call or for a lot of our clients will be a prep so it's maybe a bit of a long one but we're just going to try to pump out as much content and as much value as we can um, inside this podcast. So first of all, we'll start off with kind of what, what are we looking for prior to setting up? So nutrition is one of those things that we have to address the client first because there is a million different ways to skin a cat and there's also a million different ways we can coach nutrition. A lot of us love meal plans and meal plans are fantastic myself. Personally, I do really find that meal plans work incredibly well because you, the coach, are in control. But this is when this kind of prior analysis of the clients kicks in and we have to be in a position to be able to correctly adjust um, our, our, our coaching approach towards what that client essentially needs. So... One of the first things that I look for whilst trying to assess the client is definitely the, the background. So looking at previous um, dieting experiences, looking into any sort of a bad or poor relationship with food. And if we had a client who had an excessively restrictive approach to her food intake, she had a very, very poor and still does have a poor relationship with her food intake. Number one, is she even a candidate to go into a diet? Arguably. Secondly, if we add fuel to the fire are we making ourselves a part of the problem or are we making ourselves a part of the solution and you know whenever we get a client in that myself and Derma are firm firm believers in we don't sell a service we sell solutions so if someone comes in with a problem we just solve the problem and their problem could be stepping in front of a photo shoot getting lean getting bigger but a lot of them do come in with you know i've had i've had a bad experience with food what do I do? Where do I go? And we just step in. Here's the approach to take. So addressing that and, you know, if we're going to look at that kind of client as a specific individual, are they suited for a meal plan? Are they suited for an aggressive calorie deficit? Or are they suited for a very, very open approach to their food? You know, instead of giving them 1,600 calories a day on a specific meal plan, you could give them 1,600 calories a day and tell them you want a 70% accuracy rate. But if you think about long-term, are they going to be able to improve their relationship with food that way? 110% because you're offering them to have more variety within the meal. You're, you're offering a lot more chance of sustainability long, ther- long term, but there's no restrictive nature there. We're telling them to, to hit a goal, but you're giving them a 70% accuracy rate. It's pretty bang on, you know, rather than you have to eat 100 grams of chicken, you have to eat 50 grams of rice. They can eat whatever they like because they're going to re- reflect negatively from a restrictive standpoint. Um, I would look at number one, I suppose, when we're looking at overall biofeedback, we have to address menstrual cycle quality, menstrual cycle length and form of contraceptive being used. If we have a female who has a no, no form of contraceptive and if we have a female who has a seven or eight week cycle, 
are they able to go into a diet? You know, we know that in that luteal phase, the secondary phase of the cycle, when stress response becomes high, stress response can become too high. That's essentially why they're in that prolonged phase. So if we add a deficit into play, if we add restrictive nature into play, are again, are we part of the problem there? Or are we part of the solution? Arguably part of the problem because you're adding unnecessary stress to the body and more importantly the psychological stress that they're having then because you know if, you, if you've ever coached someone who's in that situation where they have a massively elongated luteal phase very very difficult to get them to pull down body weight because in that progesterone dominant phase the cycle the body doesn't want to lose weight fat metabolism is at its lowest amongst the whole cycle completely opposing to the first two weeks so what we look for there is trying to improve cycle length, trying to pull that back from seven weeks to four or even seven weeks to five. You're going to notice a tremendous difference and your impact of the coach then just comes from handling stress accordingly, getting you into a position where you can see the data, you can coach the data and you can implement in exactly what you need to do to pull that down, looking at HRV, looking at stress management techniques, looking at supplementation, hormone support, looking at all these things that we as coaches have fully in our rights to be able to, to coach them through. And mental sort contraceptive plays a big role in it as well. So if we're looking at any form of hormonal and um, contraceptive if we're looking at things like the pill, if we're looking at the, the marina coil, if we're looking at, you know, the, the the bar, the injection, we then have an opportunity to just keep keep food a little bit more consistent in that sense. So if we have, let's say for argument's sake, someone who's who's on non-contraceptive versus a contraceptive, I would be more favoring the client on contraceptive, especially hormonal contraceptive, to keep food flatlined. Because if we say run, okay, over a a seven day week and this, this match is going to be wrong because I'm absolutely terrible at maths isn't it funny how most coaches if they looked at a bar straight away they can calculate exactly how much weight is in the bar by just a glimpse of an eye but if you ask them to do anything else outside of that that's mathematically related they're just going to completely throw the toys out of the brown because they can't do it so this is going to be a little bit off I know this so let's say she has a client has 18,000 calories over her week right and if we just broke that down and gave her let's say 70 and 50 calories per day versus giving them 2,000 calories and 1,400 calories on a training day non-training day because we don't have any real form of boosting fat metabolism to play around with metabolic function they have essentially just completely flatlined for that 28 days of the cycle where the hormones are present they don't really have a massive surge or drop in in metabolism now it doesn't mean that they can't lose weight they can still lose weight just as well as we can but we always want to try to go with the grain of a female and we always want to try to keep everything as consistent as we possibly can and if you're going with how the hormones spike how the hormones drop if you look at any form of a chart that shows you how synthetic hormones work on day kind of two or three you have a spike in both estrogen and progesterone they both stay high and stay elevated right the way across that 28 days and on the last day they drop down versus a natural cycle where you'll have estrogen pop up first it will drop down midway then you'll have progesterone but you can play to the tune with both of them by bringing food up and bringing food back down again um, I think, you know, and then, then assessing current biofeedback. So if you look at their sleep, their digestion, look at their stress levels, again, looking at, you know, just overall energy, ability to focus, readiness to train. These are all signs that you should have like a checklist. And when a client signs up, we should have that checklist in front of us. And are they, you know, or just uh, apologies, do they have, you know, previous 
experience with with bad food yes or no do they have you know a very very poor relationship with food or have they had in the past and every single time you click yes or no then you have to kind of sub bar off that and say well well, what do i need to do to again be more a part of the solution here how can i fix that problem and even if it's a yes but there was one thing that caught your eye you need to then dive into that more and this is when nutritional programming kicks in we we, we program everything based off these initial feedback markers um, and we look at contraceptive use again what do we need to do off the back end of that if we're utilizing no contraceptive at all and we have irregularity in cycle we have very bad pms we have heavy cramps we have excessively heavy bleed but what can we do as coaches well there's a lot that we can do there's a lot that we can offer and i'm i'm you know a a massive believer and without trying to go completely off tangent here but when we look at pms pms is not something that should happen pms is is an it's an error it's an issue something has been off the beaten track if you look at anyone with a very healthy and normal cycle when the bleed comes fantastic there may there may be different surges in in responses in regarding to wanting to eat more food they may be feeling a little bit hungrier they may you know potentially in that luteal phase the week before the cycle gain a little bit more water weight scale weight may a little bit increase but in regards to very very bad cramping something's off the beaten track there something's not wrong there's been a little bit of a hormonal misfire somewhere us as coaches what do we do we then step in and again become a part of the solution and then again we just look at the complete biofeedback so you should have like a soap bar off every single one of them looking to okay how can i be a be that solution to every single one and that conversation comes and should be had before anything about food is even brought to the table because when you think about nutrition nutritional programming is just based around very goal-specific adaptations. So if we're looking to do a photo shoot, we're looking to get lean, if we're looking to build muscle. But it's the response to the, to the field that makes the difference. You know, I can create the best meal plan in the world, but if someone has an absolutely shocking adherence level, and like I said, running previous history and background checks on clients, they've done a diet 16 times in the last two years, and they haven't been able to stick to it for more than four weeks. So do you think all, all of a sudden they're going to come to us and then we're, we're magicians, we click our fingers and the problem is solved? No, you have to understand the, the foundation of, again, this is going to come into the psychological coaching next, but the foundation of why people can't stick to a diet, there's a million and one different reasons as to why. But again, it's our job as coaches to become a part of that solution. So as, as we look into that, in this like little mini section here, we're just looking for what to look for, essentially, and what do we need to identify as coaches from a psychological aspect. Now, we, we could have took that in a completely different route, you know, looking at food preference, looking at food that they may have intolerances to, but our job as coaches, it's just to, number one, see if we can create adherence. And obviously, that all that stuff plays a massive, massive role. And if someone's intolerant to gluten, you're not going to start giving them a shit a lot of, a lot of gluten. You're gonna you're gonna program very, very cleverly, but you're not going to program anything that can't be stuck to. Because in essence, they're going to waste your time. But also, I think nine times out of ten, if that situation occurred, and you think about all those things we just spoke about, and you know, sixty percent of people coming in our doors would flag up at least three or four of those they may have had previous experience with good with diet and bad with diet and many people now have a bad relationship with food it's just becoming so more apparent but again just this whole problem versus solution it, so many coaches are also coaching people very very poorly around nutrition they're just ignoring biofeedback and ignoring the psychological approach and just think well i can put someone on 1300 calories a day and not speak to them for three weeks and then check in expecting to be down six pounds when they're going to rebound up and down inside out and when the client then leaves the coach then blames the client when in essence 
as coaches, it's their responsibility to make sure that every single one of our clients is stable and 99% of the time. Um, so just 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 complete completing those background checks is, is it's fundamentally and um, it's fundamentally important and because the, the fact that so many people do suffer with those we do need to pay a lot more attention to it before we, we start to program anything from a nutritional perspective um right let's dive a little bit into the, the psychological coaching so as i said so many of us will have dealt with in the past you know as coaches or even from a personal experience either being coached pretty poor um from a nutritional perspective and just ignoring you know the, just ignoring the psychological triggers so when when somebody comes into us number one what we have to do immediately before we even dive into how do we program their nutrition from the psychological conversations that we have it's we address the goal and we'll always have the goal and then we'll always have their past experience from an adherence standpoint but we'll also then run in the initial phases of coaching and um, we run priming phases okay and a priming phase essentially is when a client comes in our door we'll do what we just spoke about we'll, we'll have a consultation we'll utilize our consultation form which are very detailed and give us every single piece of information that we could possibly ask for and then we'll run them on high field for about two weeks and if you think if, if someone can run on high field for two weeks and come back into you with 100% accuracy, you know, there wasn't one thing off the beaten track, everything was nailed, their biofeedback was done, their steps were done, fluid intake, everything was done to a T, you know, they're a pretty good candidate to enter into like a deficit, okay, let's say, but if someone came in then and had an opportunity to maybe present 50%, 60% on higher field, what's the chance of them then being able to sustain lower field? It's massively off. So, when we look at the goal setting approach, I do think it's important to run that two, three weeks at the initial phase of coaching just to test the war. Because again, you don't want to waste your time and you don't want to waste their time. And the one thing you can never do is blame, again, blame the client for you not implementing in these structures in, in the first place. And inside that first two weeks, we're going to look at a lot of things. Number one, it's, it's setting a baseline for calorie intake. It's setting a baseline that we can then adjust and manipulate when we feel suit to do so. It's improving our biofeedback. So when we think about your stress markers, if your HRV is off, can we go into a deficit? No. If your sleep percentages, deep sleep and REM sleep, are lower than the expected, are we able to go into a deficit? No. If digestion is massively poor, can we go into a deficit? It's their job to improve. And even if it's already 110%, you can make it 120%. And this is what, from a coach, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to instill trust into the client. If I can get someone from a 16% deep sleep average to a 22% deep sleep average, they're going to take a step back and say, holy shit, he knows what he's talking about. Because you can show them in the initial two weeks. It's very difficult in the first couple of weeks of coaching to show them a result. And we're not talking about two or three pounds falling off a scale here. We're talking about an actual physical result that they can take a step back and say, okay, this is incredible. This is working. Same from a digestive standpoint. If we look at just implementing in habits around your food, not eating with a phone in front of your face, following the 5, 10, 15, 20 rule that we have, looking into being very, very mindful and relaxed around your food, that can improve digestive function 10 times more than any digestive enzyme or probiotic ever will. But if you can do that in the early doors, you're instilling trust. And if you can instill trust and they can start to trust in you, then their adherence goes up even more because they trust you. 
So when we have that goal setting approach and settled in and we've ran through the we've ran through the priming phase and Dave came back in, they've shown us 100% adherence. And we're like, okay, let's go. Start the time to get the work here. What we can then do is just have the conversations. So when we talk about their goals, we have to psychologically embed the expectations that we have on them, but also more importantly, of what's to come. Because what you never want to do, you never want to lead somebody onto a ledge. You never want to get somebody who may not have ever ran through a diet before. And you haven't told them what's the expectation. You haven't told them what's to come in the next two weeks, two months, six months, and 10 months. You've just opened the door and said, out you go. A shock factor can come in. When stuff starts hitting the fan, when all these things start, emotions, hunger, cravings, and look, at the end of the day, a diet is a diet, right? One of the, I know it's probably not great saying to you, but when I very first started off coaching, one of my first ever bosses said to me, he was a prep coach, if you're not if you're not hungry, you're not dieting. But essentially what he meant was, if the body's not like in a negative response of energy and you're not craving more food, like the deficit is nowhere near enough. And I kind of do agree in a sense, but what I'm trying to get at here is that the client should know first. So you as a coach, it's your job to have that conversation to say, look, what we're going to do here is we're going to enter into you know a deficit. And let's just put this into a perspective of something a little bit more aggressive because the early doors are probably very, very relatable and the rest is probably a bit interesting for people. So why are the clients coming in for a prep and we're having our call and we're having a conversation and one of the first things I'll say is, you know, we're looking when you have to be ready when it gets tough because there's absolutely no point in lighting this flame, lighting this fuse if you can't handle the flame. You're just not going to be in a position to sustain it long term. So I'll talk them through the negatives and i'll just be as, as realistic as i possibly can look on a prep yes you are going to feel hungry on a prep yes you are going to feel like you want to eat off plan but you just have to have that mental toughness and resilience because that aligns directly with the goal that you have so they come into us with an idea and what we do as coaches we then paint a picture and paint a roadmap for them but it's so important that every single step amongst that roadmap, they need to know what they're in for because you don't want them to have a speed bump, have a wobble. And let's say for argument's sake, somebody had a very, very poor um, mental resilience towards you know, grabbing at the first go. So if they're, they're six weeks into their prep and someone brings home a pizza or somebody orders a Chinese, if you don't already have the conversation with them to say, look, this is going to happen. This is going to be presented in front of you. But what you have to do psychologically, you always have to take the step back. You always have to look at every single situation amongst a diet and weigh up the odds, weigh up your goal versus that very emotional, rational decision to impulse. So if we had someone who was in that situation and we already trained them psychologically how to do this and we'll do it through very very small little things we'll do it through like they were craving a cappuccino they were craving a full fat latte and we just taught them okay when you're in that coffee shop you take that step back and you put your goal in your mind to get as lean as you can for this photo shoot then you put that emotional response in there and every time we make a decision no matter what it is in life we always go with logic and logic will be the photo shoot prep it's my goal because everything that's done in an emotional aspect will always have a psychological repercussion you think about it any act any action you do will always have a, a negative repercussion when it's emotional based you know what are one of the, the best examples to use and it's a terrible example to use but it's probably one of the best would be you know people who would say have an affair and that initial affair 
is emotional driven but then you think about the repercussions of that psychologically the effect it can have on them as an individual but when we scale that down very very small term but then you look at food choices and when we look at that emotional versus logical response to food choices over a longer period of time it can have a massive psychological effect because they continue to break they continue to break but then also there's not full transparency between coach and client what's that going to do for them psychologically knowing that they've consistently broken but again you as the coach could you have stepped in there and implemented in a tactic and that tactic for us is always going to be to step back and we make them think logic which is your prep which is your goal which is positivity there's only positive outcomes to come out of that avenue you go down versus emotion which is a very bad avenue to go down it's that avenue where we can look at and say well look if that happens it's a very rational emotional decision there's going to be repercussions at the back end of that but what are those repercussions what can those repercussions give to us is it a positive or is it a negative so the conversation about that expectation has to be high and if we can let them know from day one like i said exactly what they're in for the road becomes a lot easier because when they have the hiccups when they have the little bumps in the road when they're presented with these things we've done everything we can to train their mind first and if we could do this at the start versus when it happens they're going to do it through every small piece of the puzzle amongst their journey the first time they go to a shop on the way to the gym and they're so used to buying the full fat kind of monster and they now opt for the zero calorie monsters. They've made the decision the next time they go to buy rice cakes. When the rice cakes are on their plan, they go for the plain versus the chocolate. They're going to take the step back. They're going to make the decision. They're going to go. You give them their first meal off plan. You can say, look, have a healthy option here. You know, I'm letting you have one meal off. Let it be something healthy, a good protein source. They can go, okay, do I have a Camille or do I have a chicken curry out with Chinese? And they make, the, they make the best decisions themselves so that when those much bigger things come, when we're deeper into the journey, they've trained their mindset so much that from a resilience standpoint, nothing could throw them off course because every single opportunity they're presented with, they take the step back and they say, okay, I know what to do. I'm going to go with the side of logic here because I'm only going to opt for a positive outcome because I'm a very goal-driven individual. And it's just a preparation of what we need to do. And, and like I said, having those conversations in the early doors. And, you know, if you don't feel comf comfortable to have those conversations and, and confident and ha to have those conversations or confident to be able to coach people, this may sound harsh, but you probably don't have a right to be able to bring people through a diet then. Because why would you? Why would you talk somebody onto, onto a ledge if you're not in a position to be able to psychologically coach them around every single situation that may, that may occur? But I think as well, we also have to, again, this runs back to the background tracks, assessing mental stability versus the goal that we have at hand. So if we're going to talk about an advanced fat loss phase, if we're going to talk about a prep, if we're going to talk about a muscle building phase, there's always expectations. But you have to have a certain point of mental stability to be able to go into that category. So if we were talking about a prep client and you you have potentially coached this client in the past or you've potentially seen a little bit of a negative implication from a mental standpoint, what's a prep going to do versus a more slower, longer term approach to fat loss where there's a lot more, a lot less a lot less restrictions, there's going to be more frequent meals off plan, there's going to be things amongst the way that they can really, really enjoy amongst the process because that's suited for them. We, we as coaches, I think, have 
potentially had in the past because you know coaches are upskilling so much lately and it's fantastic to see but potentially in the past we would always categorize clients as to where we feel they need to go versus the opposite we should be putting them in the position where we feel they're best suited for so there's a huge differential there between us just putting them somewhere versus us again taking that step back and thinking what's the logical route for them to go down is it is it a prep where their mental emotional state at the moment you know over a seven day week and inside our check-in forms we check mental emotional stress on a daily basis if you look at a seven day week and five of those days are a little bit on edge well, that five is going to go to a seven and that little bit on edge is going to go up to a really high stress level nearly overnight versus having someone who has seven days a week low stress and you've done your job as a coach inside the the priming phase to bring that stress level down to such a low level that their stress management techniques are in place so much that they don't really suffer with stress at all are they're in a phenomenal place to enter into that diet so does that just give a little bit of a a background a background on a background and as to what we should be looking for prior to even talking about food so we've we've been you know rambling on here for quite a while now before we've even touched a nutritional setup because that's what we have to do to be able to get results long term and i think sometimes people when they when they see things like this podcast name how to maximize client results nutritionally they immediately think oh adam's gonna come on here and drop some bombs about food which i am gonna do a little bit later on but like so much of nutrition is that psychological approach to adherence because once we can create a plan that's adherable that we can do for 12 20 16 weeks no matter how long the diet is that's going to win the race every single time. But what do we do as coaches and what do we need to do as coaches to essentially get people into that position? It's training their mind first. It's training training that psychological approach to situations. That when something presents itself, what do they do? Does that make sense? I hope that made a little bit of sense. I hope that gave a nice little insight as well into kind of how, how we coach and what, why it's important to do these things. So, like I said, every, every single client that comes in, we should have a little background check. We should have these boxes that we're looking to tick when we when we are running through. So let's say everything has gone smoothly. Um, psychologically, they're in a fantastic place. We've trained them up. We They know their expectations. They know what, what they're in for. Now let's talk nutrition programming. So programming food, I like to have, you know, just general baselines. But general baselines are always built off where that client is at the moment. So this, again, consistently just reverts back to that priming phase, building your client's field up. So probably 80% of female clients that I get in the door are under eating. And even the ones who hold a little bit of body fat will always proclaim that they're under eating it just seems to be this thing that you'll never have a client come in your door and says i'm eating 2600 calories a day they'll always shoot low end and say i'm eating 1200 or 1300 calories a day so even though they may in return be eating two six they don't tell us that and we as coaches just have to trust the client as much as they trust us and go by what they tell us so if we had a client coming in at 1200 calories a day and they want to enter into a deficit well, what do we do do we pull them down to a thousand? Not necessarily. So we, we inside that that initial phase, we build them up. When I'm looking at a client's nutrition, there's just two primary things that I look at. Number one is fat intake. So 
I would assess their fat intake based on what I feel their hormonal position is. So we all know that fat is an absolutely phenomenal hormonal transporter. It's it, it plays such a big role in the cycle. And if we look at you know regaining cycles from potential hypothalamic amenorrhea, the first thing we'll do is increase fat intake because we know the effect it has from a hormone perspective. And if we want to get a client respected, responsive, either a male or a female, first thing we need to do is boost hormone function. You boost the hormone function, you can change someone's physique overnight. So when we look at their fat intake, so many clients, so many people out there are under eating their fats. I would have a baseline, especially starting point for a client to have a minimum, minimum of 70 grams of a fat intake. Not only from a satiety standpoint, is fat such a good macronutrient, but if they just offer too much for us to neglect they really really do we, we can't we can't neglect um fat intake so our first first call of action will be to increase fat intake and look if you took someone from a 20 grams a day fat intake which look if you look at our our, our natural our natural meals and and habits around their food and the kind of hereditary approach to our nutrition is carbohydrate driven you think about us as kids you know, what do we have for breakfast every morning? Cereal, full fat milk. What do we have for our lunch every day? Sambos. What do we have when we go home? It would be like a chicken dish with pasta or potato. Probably 98, at least 80 to 90% of our macronutrients growing up through childhood is, is carbohydrate driven. Fat it only really comes from trace fats. You know, you never saw us as kids eating coconut oil, eating almonds and cashews or eating dark chocolate, eating things that we need from a hormone perspective but it's just ingrained in our dna as as irish people it's just ingrained in us to have that diet but it's terrible it's an absolutely terrible thing to have because when we actually break down um nutritional in- intake and we look at fats e- even trace fats and, and just total fat content alone usually is massive below men um, it's massively below that minimum level and our, our first call of action as coaches is to bring that up and um, effective immediately bring that up because we just want them to, be- to boost our hormones so when we're looking at the boost of fat then, if we if we took someone from 20 grams of fat to 70 grams of fat, you're increasing by over 360 calories already just from you know that little increase of, of fat intake. And then when we have you know that kind of boost up, you know, we're bringing up kind of 40, 50 grams, you can bring up 360 to 540 calories a day. That in a sense could nearly be enough. You know, if we look at, you know, doing things in baby steps and and taking things at a very, very slow approach, if you bring everything up together, you don't want to disrupt um, energy balance too much. Again, this is all about gaining the trust of a client. If a client comes to you, says, I want to lose weight, I want to get in shape, I want to, you know, I hate this word, I want to tone up and I want to do a prep, you know, and we go, okay, let's spike your fats up by 50 grams, that's 450 calories, let's bring your carbs up by 300 grams, you know, there's another, you know, X amount of calories, let's bring your your protein up by 300 grams, there's another X amount of calories, and then all of a sudden, they're over a thousand calories up, scale weight starts increasing, body composition starts changing, and we haven't done things in, in that slow approach, so again it's all about where they are where the client is is, is right now and, and the numbers that, that they give us it's up to us to increase at the rate and speed that we feel necessary to increase it's not going to hinder too much and you know fat is one of those 
it's one of those macronutrients that when you initially spike it up, it doesn't really cause a massive effect. Um, and I know it's potentially because it's not our primary energy source. And when it comes into the body, it's utilized so well within the body. Again, because of that neglect, you know, we have been neglecting our fat intake for, for such a long period of time. So when we look at boosting that fat intake, that's initially what I'll do. Second of all, I look at bringing the protein intake up. Now, I kind of have rules of thumb around protein depending on the client. So as a coach, I do think it's very important for you to be able to just kind of see through the mist a little bit and identify where your client holds muscle and how much muscle they hold. So if we look at let's say like one of my clients, Amy, prime example, she's getting ready for a prep at the moment, absolutely shredded, but holds a ton of muscle. But if you look at Amy's very, very first check-in pictures, body composition was a little bit higher, but if you kind of saw through the muscle a little bit, you can see that there's, that there's a good amount of muscle there. And this comes from being able to identify fat storage capacities. So looking at the skin, does the skin hold excessive amounts of fat? Potential muscle mass is going to be a little bit lower in that area. But if we can identify the client to say, okay, if we would call them advanced, right, they hold a good level of muscle, I would potentially look at maybe like a 1.1 to 1.4 gram of protein. Because if we think about that advanced person, that advanced client, they're also going to be very, very advanced in the gym. And when I use that terminology, advanced, I'm talking about somebody who's been training here for seven to 10 years. They have a really good baseline. They have a ton of muscle and they can hold high food intake. Their utilization of, of protein synthesis off that level is going to be high. And if you look at any of the research papers that back protein levels, it's always going to be anywhere in that kind of 1 to 1.2, 1 to 1.4 range. Anything kind of over that 1.5, even up to 2, which I know is crazy, crazy high, there's just nothing back in it. And as we look at, we're going to roll on to carbohydrates now, but as we look at, you know, carbohydrates being such an anabolic hormone, we'd rather just keep keep protein at that set baseline of usually for four females that are quite muscled and who have a lot of tissue, 1.1 to 1.4, anything below that, I then run one, 0.6 to 0.9. So there's always going to be a differential, but it's extremely, extremely dependent on the clients. If they have very, very high levels of body fat, do they need an excessively high protein diet? Absolutely not, because they're not going to respond to it. They and you think about this from a from a psychological perspective. If we're creating meals, the difference in having for somebody who potentially has higher levels of body fat, looking at a meal, more protein on a meal versus more carbohydrates on a meal. At the end of the day, no matter what one, if you give them 100 grams of chicken versus 150 grams of potato versus flip reverse and that, that differential can be huge. It can be massive. And again, this is what boils down to the psychological. We need to think about what the client is going to respond well to and how that female psychologically when we set up our mood, our fair food, when we set up the amount that we give, like, like where where do we see them from an adherence standpoint? So, like I said, from a client who potentially holds more body fat, wouldn't hold as much muscle, I'd be looking at that 0.6 to 0.9 grams um, per pound of body weight. And for a quite advanced, anywhere from 1.1 to 1.4 grams per pound. And look, these recommendations are are so biased to, to everything that's online and look you, you it's just you as a coach finding a method that works for you and the key word there is works finding just a method but that method 
doesn't work, you need to then reassess to what you know works. And this is just what I what I know work. What what what, what I know works. What I know work is not great English. And uh, right, let's wrap it on to carbohydrates. So when we're trying to program carbohydrates, there is a a couple of things that I'm looking for here. Number one is load specificity. So when we're looking at how much load are they using on a weekly basis per session per day where does it where 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 do we draw the line to say okay supply correct energy so prime example if we got say one of my girls in the gym and you know luckily and luckily you know and i suppose luckily because we built the business this way but we do train a lot of advanced people and you know majority of our, of our clients coming in are very very strong and just want to take their, their physique to the next level so if you look at one of those guys going in hip thrusting 150 160 kilo leg pressing 200 kilo we look at them back squatting anywhere from 80 to 100 plus kilo but if you think about total load that they use so let's say we had one of our girls at the moment is really pushing hard for set accumulation. So we're trying to build her up with as much load as we can, as much load capacity as we can. So we're taking her from, you know, she's on one set of RDLs, now she's on two sets this week, three sets the following week, four sets, I think it's up to five sets of top set RDLs at the moment. But every single week we've increased the carbs because she has more load to deal with. So it's supplying the correct energy. It's supplying what we need from a re- replenishment standpoint. And it's, it's putting her in a position where the specificity of the load is now directly correlating and in line and kind of mirroring her carbohydrate intake. But that has to be done, on, and then she's going through a gaining phase, I probably should have said at the start, but that should be should be brought into the consideration and conversation about fat loss phase as well. Like when we look at our clients, the differential in load that they use on a leg day, where they're back squatting, where they're hip thrusting, where they're leg pressing, leg extension, leg curl versus a push day. If you think about a barbell back squat, 80 kilo, 90 kilo for six to eight, then a back off 10 to 12, 70 kilo. Think about the, the amount of load that they've used. They do 100 kilo, 10 times, 1,000 kilo, right? There's only one set, 1,000 kilo. If you look at a push day, they probably wouldn't do a 1,000 kilo on their entire workout. Think about it, eight kilo shoulder press, four kilo side laterals, 10 kilo tricep extensions and that's not putting down the girls because i know that you, you can probably push a lot heavier than that and shoulder press i know probably a few is listening to that going how dare you i can shoulder press more than that but i'm just trying to make a point here we look at that and say well okay like there's a huge differential there so carbohydrates need to be brought in this is when we program so i think from a starting point setting up you know just just a baseline you know training day non-training day with a spike in differential in the days that we're looking for so Looking at you know kind of some some other um some other capabilities here like recovery needs to be brought into into consideration, you know we need to have carbohydrates in a, in a somewhat of a high place for them to be able to recover properly, and um, we know that the second we start to pull carbs down, one of the first things to come down with it is recovery because again think back to what we said like what the carbs do, we all we also know. We know the storage rate of carbohydrates, you know, bringing glucose into the body, one of the main primary energy sources, and really supplying that ATP and through Peruve. We look at, you know, carbohydrates fueling sessions. You know, we know training sessions, especially weights, are very, very glycidic. You know, we can look at that in aerobic, glycic, glycidic um, energy system. We have to be in a position to fuel, but then also we have to be in a position to replenish on the back end. And if we think about that load, specific approach 
And if we have load increasing consistently and we're getting stronger and we're moving in a very good direction, but as we're moving strength up, we're also moving carbs down, is that the right manipulation to make? Because look, again, there's a million different ways we can manipulate energy. It doesn't have to be from pulling down carbs, but it seems to be one of the first. But also when we look at that approach, I know this is going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but just kind of coming to mind, it's a pretty good point to cover. Anyone who spirals down carbohydrates first and then we step on the scale and see, God, does it drop down to four pounds? You haven't lost four pounds of fat, you lost four pounds of glycogen. Glycogen is stored in the muscle. You pull away carbohydrates. You, you think about any, and if any of you have ever gone through like a prep with me where we've done a refeed and we've spiked your food up really high and you feel very, very heavy and you train and you look a lot fuller, you've just stored a ton of glycogen. You'll gain two, three, four pounds the next day. The following day, you're back down to potential baseline or if not lower um, because carbs store. And when we just pull down carbs initially, you're not losing body fat, you're not losing scale weight, you're just basically losing glycogen, which is a very, very inaccurate way to read. So the, the recovery aspect then has to be brought into the consideration and conversation, you know, looking at how do we recover and um, why is it important for us to be able to, to recover. But that, that's another a complete other, other conversation topic to have, but carbohydrates play a massive role in that. And um, we look at insulin sensitivity and this can be trialed by, um, this can be trialed by bringing food up. So if someone is lean enough to utilize high food, and if somebody is lean enough to utilize a refeed, you will almost know immediately by bringing that food up on that specific day, the response they get. So when we look at trialing refeeds, I won't change anything when their food coming up to the refeed um, and we'll spike their food up, you know, potentially bringing food up. I would kind of shoot a rough marker of the four times their carbohydrate intake. So they're having 200 grams of carbs a day. I times that by four and bring them up to 800 grams of carbs on that specific day. And this is a trial. Okay, so this is the, the trial refund, re, refund, the trial refeed um, that we give them. Just one day, spike it up, see how the body responds. The following day, you'll have a bit of an increase in scale weight. What we are looking for to test insulin sensitivity is the following day and the following day. The following day after that, you will see a significant drop down in scale weight, potentially hitting new low weigh-ins. The day after that, we'll just see a continuation of that. And we know, okay, you fired that field up once, it has a one-day effect where potential body composition may change a little bit. A little bit of water weight may be held, but you'll see a huge drop down. To us, green light ticked, they are sensitive and they can they can utilize that food probably a lot more frequently than we're giving them versus on the flip side of it. So then we have somebody who had a refeed and the following day, scale weights up. Next day, scale weights up again. And then we kind of stabilize in a high range. So let's say they gained four pounds and they may have went up to like 4.4 or 4.7, but they may stabilize around that two pound increase, but there's an increase. That means very, very unsensitive. And you can judge that by composition. You know, how lean are they? And how, how lean do you need to be to get a refill? But we're going to come to that now um, when we kind of go into that deep end coaching. But um, that's something that I'd be looking for um, from a carbohydrate perspective and trying to rotate as well. And these rotations, again, are going to come into very specifically 
what form of, of hormones do we have kicking in? Are we looking at flatlining carbohydrates across the week? Are we looking at giving them an increase from a load capacity standpoint? So like if you have legs, upper, rest, I would definitely be running a high carb, medium carb and lower carb split rotation because again, think about load capacity. Think about the specificity of, of load intake versus carbohydrate fuel. We need to have an even match. We need to have an even balance. So when we're setting up our food from the from the initial starting point, those are the three considerations that I'm looking for. Protein, 1.1 to 1.4 for kind of heavily muscled, kind of advanced, 0.6 to 0.9 for kind of, not I wouldn't say beginners, but people who have potentially just more body fat. Um, fat content, I think 70 grams is a minimum. Um, but we understand the benefits, you know, we, we ran through the benefits of why, and hearing those benefits shouldn't really be arguable as to why we would shoot any lower. And then, of course, carbohydrates, what we ran through, load specific, recovery specific, how sensitive are we to insulin? And are, are we looking at rotation systems or are we looking at flatlining carbon take across the week just based on what hormonal position are they in at that specific moment in time? So, when we're looking at then what do we do to coach off the back end of that? Um, Initially, what we're doing here is looking for a rate of loss. So to create a rate of loss, I think it's very important to give them a deficit of energy away from their food because we're just looking for something that's more consistent here. So let's think about if we if we got you into a position where you're working in a very lactate-orientated um, energy system and I have you doing, let's say, 150, 200 calories, let's say 200 calories on spin bike. 200 calories in the stairs, 200 calories on an incline walk treadmill, and you're keeping your heart rate in a 120 to 140 BPM zone. You're going to build up a lot of kind of lactic acid there. It's going to be a massive byproduct at the end of it. We're going to create a pretty big demand of energy just with the system that we're working in. So if we give them that, it doesn't affect their food, right? But I'm a firm believer in getting them to do more, get them to increase their steps, get them to do cardio that has a proven waste product at the end of it lactate systems you look at your aerobic systems power walks light strolls around increasing neat levels there's not a massive byproduct of energy at the back end of that so just need to be kind of careful as, as to how you program that um and then you look at the the sustainability long term you know if we bring food down for us initially we're just starting to chip away at that sustainability starting to chip away at that adherence levels in an early phase so i would look to initially create a bit of a rate of loss and um, just basing it off how adaptive they are um, and when we have let's say a point, point 0.2 kilo and point 0.4 of a kilo point 0.6 of a kilo per week then we need to step in as a coach to think okay well how do we just consistently further promote that so what we should be always doing and and this is, I suppose, a little bit more towards that kind of being in the deep end coaching and now your coaching mentality in the deep end. But you need to you need to always think, you know, they're coming to you for a job and they're coming to you for a task. And again, we're, we're, we're solution and we're not a part of any problem. We're here to fix anything that goes wrong. But you need to then be in a position to, OK, I need to step in now and now it's my job to start coaching. So when I would look at that initial rate of loss, I would look at having a couple of variables that will impose that said principle 
when we feel the need to do so. So having their training at low volume and having that initial output of cardio down low enough to create a response and having food in a high position. So if we think about it, if we want to impose any of those specific adaptations to impose a demand is what the said principle is in case anyone didn't know. Let's say we even just looked at training volume. So we brought them on two sets of leg press to four. We brought them on training, you know, four days, three days a week to training to four. And we brought them from doing, you know, a single set on biceps to a rest pause. And we just increased the amount that they train. That's a, that's a set principle. That's imposing a demand on energy. But if we're looking at it and, and when, when the right time, I think, to pull in food is when we have already used energy expenditure from output working in that lactate zone when we've already used training volume and frequency as well because you think you can be more adherent you can be more adherable and sustainable on high food versus lower food and let's say we flip reverse that and we threw in food first initially first one bump 200 calories off each day like you notice a much bigger difference boring 200 calories on spin bike stairmaster which again in that 120 to 140 bpm zone you're talking about 20 minutes like realistically and um, versus taking 200 calories of food off huge difference psychologically massive massive difference and like you view on someone on 2000 calories and you pull them to you pull them to 18 it's a big jump but then when you pull them to 16 bigger jump then you pull them down again so you always have to think about that long term and, and when those adaptations kick in which we'll talk about now and um, that's when that's when you need to have them in a position that they're able to handle it so when all those other avenues have been exhausted then i would revert to food i like to use just general general guidelines of deficits from males male and female perspective and we may as well just cover a male as we're here talking about it so from a male if we're looking at food i will pull down about 350 calories off after day but i've pulled that down in that much because number one we've already used so many tools so if you think about it we've added in 200 calories from their from their steps or for their for their cardio we've got them to train more so they're, they're potentially already in a 200 to 300 calorie per day and then we drop the hammer and we bring down 350 calories of food that's a lot but males can take it males can handle that drop down because their starting points are 3000 calories so take take 350 off that bring them down to 2650 was a huge difference there versus having a female on on 2000 calories and then we drop 350 from a female i like to work on it in 200 calorie deductions and those deductions are going to come from two different ways number one i think you need to assess them and analyze them on do we deduct fats first or do we deduct carbohydrates but one of the main things that we'll deduct as well is protein because scale weight is going to be coming down so if we think about that, and this is probably one thing that people don't ever really coach on. We always talk about keeping keeping scale weights in optimal ranges, right? So keeping sorry, your, your protein intake versus your scale weight in a very optimal range. But if we took someone from 60 kilo down to 52 kilo, their protein has to change because their per pound body weight has massively changed. If you keep their protein high, then they're in super ranges of protein like if you think if you take 10 kilo off someone it's a 20 pound drop off so you're talking about a 20 gram differential in protein that's huge you had a client on 140 grams of protein and you increase it to 160 grams that's a massive massive increase but if you think about when you deduct scale weight 
but keep protein high, you're essentially doing the same thing. So I would be looking at assessing their scale weight and then manipulating their protein intake firstly to, to, to make up a majority of that 200 calories. And look, it may only be 50 or 60 calories, but then you can look at the opposing. So if they're recovering quite well, um, if we think they're, they're sensitive towards insulin and we can potentially look at an increasing and spiking food at a later date, I would probably argue that we should keep fats higher just from a, just from a hormonal perspective, especially at the start of coaching. We always have to think further on down the line. If we run into week 16, week 17, and we come to a point of saying, okay, well, we're actually at 20 grams of fat now and 300 grams of carbs, when we could have been at 200 grams of carbs and 45, 50 grams of fat, from a hormone perspective, where do we want to be? Where do we foresee that six months down the line, let's keep fat high? I think it's the most appropriate thing to do. Um, and again, taking a step back and addressing their adherence level um looking back at check-ins let's see what their their accuracy rate was if it was being 100 100 100 and we're starting to have little drop-offs in adherence but we still have a rate of loss and all we're trying to do here from these manipulations is just increase that rate of loss like i said from a 200 calorie deficit per day we could be looking at you know bringing down maybe a, a point two of a kilo per week you know we always understand that takes three three and a half thousand calories or units of energy to burn one pound of fat right so if we created a three and a half thousand calorie deficit per week we would drop off one pound of fat in logic we would drop off i know in logic and coaching never really go hand in hand because we're dealing with individuals and we're dealing with humans and we're dealing with hormones and a million and one different things but if you had a scientific lab and there was nothing else wrong and again this is our job as coaches to create that situation and scenario where nothing else is wrong you would burn a pound of fat. So we took 200 calories off your day. Think about it over a seven day week, it's only 1400 calories. And we still have three and a half thousand to make up and we've only really made up 14. That's when we look at increasing training volume. That's when we look at bringing down and think with that from a male's perspective, when I said 350 calories a day, I'm sure everyone said, shit, that's a lot of food to bring down. But if you think about it, trying to make up a 3,500 calorie a day deficit, now 350 calories a day doesn't seem that much. Now kind of seems about right. Um, but from a female's perspective, 200 is enough. And that's why our, our rate of losses will always be around that 0.5 of a key per week. And if we can drop you know, roughly a pound a week, we know we're, we're in a sufficient deficit. And I kind of have you know in essence have certain barriers that you know we don't really like to break for myself like around it around the three eight mark is probably the, the max we'll go in regarding deficit per week and um, it's a lot it's a lot of energy to take away from the body and even even goal specific talking about comps and talking about photo shoots and um, it, it's a lot to take away and if you think about from the stress response that causes the body what potential implications that can have on hypothalamic and menorrhea onset not a risk that we're really worth doing just trying to improve it from 0.5 to 0.7 when if we just think well instead of going to 0.7 we could just push the photo shoot out three more weeks and we can keep it in the same range like yeah let's start to play that card and um, so addressing their adherence again and, and understanding okay when when we make that drop off and food there's a potential hindrance to adherence that's going to come into that so we do need to keep that in our mind. We do need to keep that in our thought process. And um, that adherence kind of is key for the, for those amount of drop-offs and to create that 3,500 calorie deficit per week. And um, we do need to be 
in a very adherable position but responsive position again this is when it boils back to that that initial priming phase if you think about all the hard work that was done then improving their their psychological aspect improving their stress response improving their food intake their utilization of food their digestion now when we start to get into these deep ends everything is in optimal ranges so now when we start to run through like more of the deep end coaching like they need to have that in check because if they don't a lot of stuff is going to start going wrong so now we kind of enter into a bit of the deep end so we've created a deficit everything is moving is moving in a is moving in a very very good pace we have that 3500 calorie deficit in they're moving well everything is running smooth biofeedback is in a great position okay now it's now it's time to us now it's time for us um should i say as coaches to start lifting our gear and this is when you as a coach need to have that little bit of psychological training yourself on being relentless so I think one commonality that a lot of coaches have in in common um, that get results consistently is they are ruthless towards the result from their mindset. And their mindset and their conversation starts to then train their client's mindset. So for us, when we are entering into deep ends of a prep and when we're starting to get the nitty gritty out of the way and you know we have them in a deficit a very very aggressive like i said three five three seven three eight per week and everything is moving we will then start to run daily check-ins and on these daily check-ins we will start to look at manipulating food intake energy manipulating a lot of different variables on a near daily 24-hour window because when we think about where's the coach fall in this situation and where where does the coach kind of lie in the deficit we're the navigator right so we just create the plans based on the feedback that we're given and we just try to create a new adaptation a new response a new challenge that's going to get us over the next hurdle and then we hit a barrier and then we go again again we're, we're always part of the solution that's what we do we sell solutions not services so when we look at the daily check-ins, number one, what we're trying to do is we're trying to allow now our relentless approach towards results instill into the client because your conversation will start to change. So when we start off with prep, think about that conversation. It was all about what's to come, what's down the line. You know, this is the mindset we need to be in. Then we hit that middle ground and our conversation is, okay, let's start improving adherence. We need to see a little bit more here. You know, we need to tidy this up. We need to get that going. We're just about to drop the hammer on this. I need to see this before I, I can do this. But now it's about you being their, their guidance point throughout a tough time. So you need to step in and you need to be you need to be real. You need to be on their case every single day about the result. It's body composition focus. We're speaking about their physique. We're speaking about their goal. We're speaking about what needs to be done. We're telling them on a daily basis how relentless they need to be. We're telling them what, what matters the most here. Like what are your goals? Your goal here is to get to a photo shoot. I need you to be in a position you're going to run through a brick wall to be able to get to that shoot. That's a mindset you need to have. But if you yourself as a coach don't have that in you, it comes across very, very nearly called fake in a sense when you're trying to tell clients to do it because it just has to be natural. Like for me, it's only a post you put up on Instagram the other week, like when I spoke about my why, like I wake up every single morning and I, actually, I burst with excitement 
waiting to see my prep client Staley Jenkins come in. Like I, I genuinely am ecstatic waiting to see them and have that conversation. Jump on a voice note, like, boy, you're killing it today. Right, this is what we need to do. Here's where the mindset needs to be. Let's get to work. Let's attack this. Let's go to war on this thing together. They jump back, Adam, I'm buzzing. Let's go. I'm ready for today. Let's take it on. And if you, if you just don't have that as a coach, you'll never be a good body composition coach, I feel. Because it's my passion. I'm passionate about results. It's what gets me up every day. It's what fuels me. It's what fires me. And seeing their seeing their mindset change amongst that on those daily check-ins, it's incredible. But this is something you have to do as a coach. You have to be in that position where you are attacking with them. You're in war with them. It's the two of you together attacking this big, massive obstacle that you have in front of you, which which can be a prep. So those daily check-ins are very, very very motivation driven um, and really to just keep mental stability, keep adherence, keep the the level of, the, sorry, to keep the progression and the level of focus, the level of attention to detail just in high ranges. And look, for a lot of time on our daily check-ins, you know, we'll send over physique pictures or a video, we'll, we'll send over a brief overview of HRV and sleep. Nine times out of 10, I just want to hear the voice note they send over to let me know how they are. Let me know what their mindset is like because you can look at data versus looking at the individual and they're two completely different things. We can have like one of my girls checked in during the week, HRV, probably one of the highest scores we've gotten all prep. Sleep was fantastic. Physique video looked unbelievable, super lean, but jumped on and said she was very unmotivated. Like Adam, I just don't feel it today. Like I'm just... She's kind of feeling a little bit sorry for myself, and you know, I just, I just kind of need it. And I jumped on and gave her a kick up the arse that she well deserves, and she came back ready to attack the day. But let's say I ignored how she felt and I assessed feedback. For me, feedback was perfect, but I needed to hear from her. I needed to, to hear how she was. So my action could be then again just just being being there to provide a solution to the problem. We just rejigged the motivation. We just brought back up her why. You know, why do you want to do the photo shoot? I want to do the photo shoot because X. And then I just went on a tangent and took over Dave, that's your goal, that's your why. Here's what we need to do. Mindset switched, progressed, move forward. Um if if there was a case that we needed to adjust something, one of the common adjustments that we make on a prep um inside the latter end is is bringing food up. So one, one, one of my you know all-time favorite sayings of a prep is never fear becoming flat. And I always have to emphasize the FL in that one. And um, never fear running flat because if you run flat, it means that we're doing something right. It means that food intake is in a low position that there's just no level of glycogen store. Every single bit of those carbohydrates we're putting into the system, they're being utilized correctly they're being replenished correctly, they're being put into an energy pathway and a position of fuel, repair, recover in the correct manner and we're just essentially using more of that energy than what's being provided into the body. So there's a couple things that we'll look for here, we'll look for um, what is the level of muscular fullness you know where where do we find them sitting in that range? When we look at um, their wants to train, so readiness to, to get into the gym and train. And um, we look at scale weight as well. You know it hasn't been unknown that when we run flat, uh, scale weight can slow down massively, slow down. And what we're looking to do here is we're looking to massively boost up metabolic function. We're looking to massively increase the demand of 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 carbohydrates in the system because they are so. You could basically call them a carbohydrate sponge. 
they're so sensitive to the carbohydrates that no matter what you put in they're just going to absorb and i'm going to run through now you know a little bit of my refeed protocol and how i like to do things so when we spoke about earlier on introducing refeeds we spoke a lot about testing the water so when we look at testing the water the focus that we have inside that is towards seeing where they adjust from a composition standpoint post what's the scale going to be and let's say we, we four times their carbohydrate intake and we brought up their we brought up um their, their carbs by four and we had a phenomenal response then i kind of take the whim a little bit and i say okay well let's challenge a little bit more so a commonality in food increases and this can, this is so subject to change and so subject to the client but just as a brief can any go anywhere from 500 grams of carbs on or sorry from 50 grams of carbs up to 500 grams of carbs up to a thousand grams of carbs split over 48 hours the most positive response i've ever gotten from spiking food like that was on a thousand gram of carb double refeed there is a lot of literature now coming out about double refeeds that are proving really positively and when you trial them you need to kind of be understanding of the clients and understanding of the approach so one of our commonalities is we'll, we'll double up on our refeed and we'll potentially look at bringing their carbohydrates up about seven to eight times over that two-day window but at least 70 percent of that coming on the first day so let's say we have a thousand gram of carb refeed and they're they're on you know 150 grams of carbs 100 grams of carbs a day we'll bring them up to 700 grams of carbs on day one and then we'll bring them to 300 grams of carbs on day two so think about the, the storage capacity of glycogen can be what up to 36 hours so if we brought them up over a 48 hour window we gave them one massive spike and gave them a little drop off that drop off is still massively below where they were yesterday so in essence we're still creating deficits here because we're just creating a deficit from yesterday to today and then we drop them down again the following day so if you think about it we've gone from 700 to 300 back down to 100 normality but when we hit that 100 then we run them flat for anywhere from 7 to 10 days again and um, for the first couple of days of that double refit they're going to see little spikes in, in in scale weight just due to the storage capacity of glycogen but then they're going to see huge plummet down in in scale weight but only when they are lean enough to handle it so if you looked at it from a body composition perspective and we looked at bringing food up at like the first two or three weeks of a prep it's just not going to make a difference it's going to make the problem worse not better but then if we look at six weeks out from a prep when they are lean when they have full set of abs vascularity when they have you know veins in their biceps shoulders are in upper back is in glutes are holding very very little body fat like you can drive their food up because they're still going to train you're just, if you think about it, a refeed for me on my clients will always be on a training day number one from a psychological perspective they they'll look fantastic when they train they look full they look vascular they'll have their muscle popping through the skin you want that you want something to boost their morale and that end of a prep but then when we look at the drop down effects they're just absolutely fantastic and how they become more responsive after bringing the food up into that huge and um, huge surplus but it, it all depends on past response it all depends on what they've done in the last refeed how their response was and this is why you know as as coaches for us there's a couple of things that we need to have for them in that end and num number one 
it's having that backlog of information to look back and say, okay, this was the last spike we done. This was what we got as a response, but also having something else in their peripheral vision. So when we spike up food at six weeks out, we may say, okay, we have a trial refeed at three and a half weeks out. So for them, you stay in their mindset, they are focusing on one thing. They're not focusing on six weeks anymore. They're focusing on three and a half. This is like 45% of my last duration. And, and all I have to do is get to that point. And you focus and focus and your conversation is talking and talking. But what you're doing is you're running them massively flat again. You're allowing them to hit that bottom line. But they're going to keep pushing and pushing and running and running. Because you, number one, psychologically are telling them to do it every day. But secondly, they have that peripheral vision now. They have something that's inside their vision it's right in front of them it's three and a half weeks away they've already done a 20 week prep they can do three and a half weeks more you get to that three and a half week point and then all of a sudden you're three weeks out and you've tried your refeed you've saw the response you know now three or four refeeds and spikes and calories in what the demand happens post they look leaner they drop down scale weight you know okay if i bring her up again on you know maybe three days prior spike her up to a high 700 300 and then one and one the, the two days prior um you're going to get the, the exact same response and it just comes from rinsing and repeating and it comes from being very very confident in yourself as a coach to make those decisions because look it's very difficult very very difficult at the, at the back end of a prep especially in that last week when you have you've you've brought a client through a 20-week journey and if you make one wrong decision in that last week, you can basically fuck up everything for them. And that's that's pressure that people don't really understand when you talk to a coach like myself who brings people through the photo shoot preps and, and preps people on a very regular basis. It's a lot of pressure that's on us to get it right. But also, you have to be sure in your ability and sure in what has worked. Because if it worked once, it will work again. And if it worked twice, it'll definitely work again. If it worked three or four times, now you're talking home runs here, it's definitely going to work. Versus trialing refunds and never really recording the response and then getting to that last week and then all of a sudden you have this light bulb moment to think, ah, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to just sporadically spike up 6,000 grams of carbs the day before and they show up, show up to the to the photo shoot looking like a water balloon. And that, like, that potentially can happen. So talk about analysis. It's all about making notes. It's all about tracking and coaching. So um, I'm going to wrap that up there. I hope that was insightful um, for, for everyone. And just to basically, because we get so many questions um, regarding food and nutrition. And the one thing for me and the most important thing is it's not how you just create a meal plan. It's not how you just create a deficit, but it's how you coach them. Because at the end of the day, like it's our job title. We're coaches and, and how we coach people and bring people and guide people through, you literally have to hold their hand and say, look, you just have to trust me on this journey. I know what I'm doing. And like I said earlier on, never, ever talk somebody onto a ledge where they're unknown of what they're about to get themselves into. They should have information from the very, very first day of coaching of, of roughly what the roadmap is to get them to that final destination. And then when you've gotten to the final destination, that's when we then kick in that whole reverse, which luckily we already have a podcast on, a reverse diet podcast. So um, I hope that was insightful for everyone. Um, we have a couple of other, a couple of other ones coming up. Um, and for myself, my my next kind of 
insight into this is going to be a little bit more business related i'm going to release a podcast it's a little bit more business savvy and um, just because when we have we have a lot of mentor clients on board now i know people have a good interest in that so hope you all enjoyed the podcast and um, hope you found it very interesting and i'll speak to you awesome